You are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, please visit gocentralchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan Brumbach. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. It is so good to be back with you, and I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Hebrews 11. Those of you watching online, thank you for being with us today, and we know that in our day, this COVID in our area is kind of ticked up a little bit. I was in Pennsylvania for a week and uh, preaching every day of the week and praying for you guys and praying for the community and just hearing a lot of different things. But those of you watching online, we are praying for you and thankful for you. But this morning, before we get started in the message, I want us to be praying for two nations this morning. I want us to pray for the nation of Haiti and the nation of Afghanistan. Uh, Haiti yesterday experienced, uh, sadly, another earthquake, 7.2 magnitude. Uh, and at least at this point, over 300 are dead, and uh, our partners, uh, Send Relief, who uh, works uh, on the front line of crisis uh, and disaster relief all throughout uh, the world, is there on the scene, and you, when you give financially here to Central, you're supporting that ministry. And so if you're looking for more ways to do that, you can go to sinrelief.org. But also I want us to be praying for the nation of Afghanistan. Uh, we have ministry partners all throughout that country and all in the stands. Uh, and many of them are living under the threat of persecution. And some of them are being evacuated. And just with what's going on in Afghanistan right now, I want us to pray. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work uh, in our church, in our midst today, that would glorify you. Father, we lift your name. You are the king, the crown of heaven. But Lord, as we think about the nations around us, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Haiti that are suffering this morning. They're picking up the the wreckage and, and the, uh, the aftermath of this earthquake. And for some, even in our church, who survived the last earthquake that was there uh, over almost 10 years ago, Father, they're reliving some of those experiences. So, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move, and we thank you for sin relief and other entities that will be there doing uh, ministry there in that community and those in that country. And, Father, we also want to pray for our ministry partners in Afghanistan today, Lord, that you would protect them and, and, and God, that you would provide for them. And, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart would please you in Jesus name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. Let's stand as we read God's word. Hebrews 11 verse 8. Even you at home watching online, you go ahead and stand for the next five hour sermon. Verse number 8. The Bible says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to a place where he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they who are seeking a homeland, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city." 
By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You may be seated. How many of you like taking risks? Uh, seeing and hearing nothing, that sounds like nobody. <laughs> you know, there are two types of people in the world. There are risk seekers and there are risk adverse people. I have found that most people are more risk adverse than they are risk seeking. Uh, we tend to hedge our bets. Uh, we tend to buy plenty of health insurance, life insurance, and all the other kinds of insurances that we can. We want to lower our risk because the name of the game is self-preservation. You know, a lot of people kind of have this mentality that it's better to stay in the neutral zone and to keep expectations low. It's better not to do anything drastic. Well, when it comes to walking with God, should we take risks? Well, John Piper answers that in his book, Risk is Right, when he says, there is a warning. The path of God-exalting joy will cost you your life. Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. In other words, it is better to lose your life than to waste it. If you live gladly to make others glad in God, your life will be hard, your risks will be high, and your joy will be full. This is not about how to avoid a wounded life, but how to avoid a wasted life. Some of you will die in the service of Christ. That will not be a tragedy. Treasuring life above Christ is a tragedy. Listen, the walk of faith requires a life of risky, radical obedience to God. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is a unique chapter in a unique book. It is written by an author we do not know the name of, and its style is one long sermon. The goal of this entire sermon was to call the people who have trusted Christ to stay with Christ. It was a call of faith. They were Many of these were former Jews who converted to Christianity, and now they're in the midst of adversity. They're in the midst of persecution. They're in the midst of trouble, and now some of them are thinking, should I go back to the way it was? Many of their friends who went to Christianity have now deconstructed Christianity and went back to Judaism. And so the author here of this chapter and the author of this book is calling us to faith. And so in chapter 11, we have this list of great believers, of great men and women of God who are an example of faith-fueled radical obedience. And so what I want you to understand is that radical obedience requires radical faith. And today, we're talking about Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. And we see, in, especially in Abraham's life, a life of radical faith. And in that, I want us to see what does it look like? What does it look like to live by faith and to not live by sight? And we see that here in the life and story of Abraham. And so what I want us to learn this morning is this. Faith calls us to leave the known for the unknown to trust in the unseen promises of God, and to obey God even if we do not understand. Faith calls us to leave the known for the unknown, to trust the unseen promises of God, and to obey God even if we don't understand. So let's begin with the first one. Faith calls us to leave the known for the unknown. In verse number eight, the Bible says, by faith, Abraham. As I shared with you last year, Abraham means big daddy, <laughs> or the father of many nations. Father Abraham had many sons. 
and daughters. And many sons and daughters had Father Abraham. Well, we know that Abraham was, his name was Abram, which means daddy. And uh, God changed his name to Big Daddy. But he called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees in his 70s. Uh, He had no children, and his family worshipped idols. But yet the Bible says that Abraham obeyed when he was called. God here called Abraham first. God made the first move to Abraham. Abraham wasn't seeking God. God was seeking Abraham. God initiated the relationship, and Abraham responded by faith. See, faith is a gift from God that enables us to respond to God. The Bible says, for by grace you're saved through faith. This is not a result of works, okay? It's not of yourself, not of your own doing, not of works, so that no one would boast. So what did God call Abraham to do? Well, the Bible says to go out to a place that he would receive. So God calls Abraham, a guy who barely knows who God is, who is old and childless, to leave everything he has ever known to follow God to a place he had never been before. The call here of God was to get out. Now, many of us are like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. We are saying there's no place like home. But yet God called him to leave where he was. And the Bible says that Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. You know, God's call of faith is always a call to forsake all and follow him. You know, the rest of Abraham's story is how he detangled himself from his country, his family, his father's house, and ultimately how he detangled himself from himself. In the life of Abraham, we see that a life of faith is a call to deny ourselves and to go where God calls us to go. It's to exchange the comfortable for the uncomfortable. And so here, Abraham goes where God calls him to go, and Abraham was to live in a foreign land, and he lived in tents. Now, what you see in Abraham's life is he never built anything permanent. Nothing was permanent. He was to move around the land as God directed him, and he was to live as a stranger in this land of promise, and and Abraham never really arrived on earth. He was constantly moving and trusting. He never settled too deep in one place. His tent peg was never too deep in the earth. As God called Abraham to, to go, John Calvin summarized it in this way, that God said to Abraham, just close your eyes and take my hand. God told Abraham to get out, but he didn't tell him where he was going. You know, most of us wouldn't just follow somebody that we've never met before to a place we've never been before. I mean, how many of you, if somebody just came up to you and said, hey, follow me, and you say, where? And they say, well, just follow me. How many of you are going to (laughs) go? No. No. No one's just going to follow somebody they don't know to a place that they've never been. You know, my kids often, even even though my kids obviously know me, I'll I'll say, you know, hey, kids, I'm going to go somewhere. Do you want to go with me? What's the first question they ask? Where are you going? Why do they ask where you're going? Because they want to know if where I'm going is better than what they're doing. Right? And if where I'm going is not better and funner than than, than what they're doing now, they're not going. Well, God here calls Abraham to go where he's never been before, that he doesn't know where he's going. 
You know, most of us want a step-by-step, play-by-play on how life is going to go. And if it's acceptable to us, then we'll forsake everything to follow God. Well, God told Abraham that he needed to leave his family. He needed to leave his land, his cultural identity, to walk away from everything that he ever knew, everything that was important, everything that made life comfortable. And he didn't give Abraham an outline on what God would do next. You know, listen, we may not know where, we may not know how, we may not know when, we may not know why, it, uh, why things happened in our lives, but that's what is called Christianity, and that's what faith in God is. Listen, it takes no faith to believe in a God who gives you step-by-step directions on how to live your life, but it takes real faith in trusting a God that you cannot see to follow Him to places you do not know. God here calls us to go. And listen, church family, God's calling us all to live by faith, to not walk by sight, to take our hands off of our lives and completely abandon Him, to not stay where we are. And listen, in your life, you can't just stay where you are. You can't just live in the seat of comfort and the flowery beds of ease. You have to go where God calls you to go. Do what God calls you to do, even when it's uncomfortable and even when it's painful. You know, I was in... Greece a, a few weeks ago, and I met a guy named Danny, um, and uh, he was in Athens, and, and as I met him, he began to share with me his story. He grew up a Muslim. Uh, he grew up in Iraq. He grew up in Baghdad. His dad served under Saddam Hussein and was in his army, uh, and he ended up uh, having to move to Turkey after Saddam uh, died, was assassinated, uh, was killed. And he had to flee because there was a new regime coming in, and for fear for his life, he had to leave. And so he went to college in Turkey, and, and, and he kind of was living a wild and crazy life. He was on his own. And uh, so one night, he was out drinking, which he did quite a bit, and he was actually at a strip club, and, and he was drunk at a, scl- at a strip club. And so while he was there, drunk, uh, he had a vision. Now, I know a lot of people that are drunk have visions, okay? Well, Danny had a vision of Jesus, Okay, and here he was at the strip club, drunk, having this vision of Jesus, and he goes to one of the ladies, if you know what I mean, and he pulls this lady aside, and he tells her about his vision, and she says, well, hey, there's a church down here in this area, why don't you go to that church? Now, here this is, a stripper telling the guy where to go to church, all right? So Danny goes there. He meets the pastor, the pastor gives him a Bible, and the pastor says, will you read the Bible with me, and we'll talk about the Bible. Well, after a few weeks, Danny read the Bible with his pastor, and in in a few months, he eventually put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so after that, he was discipled, and, and in that, he began to feel this call of God to share his faith. And so what he did is he went out in the streets in Turkey and shared his faith. Well, it's illegal to share your faith in Turkey on the streets. So guess what happened to Danny? He got arrested. He got put in jail. And there he was languishing in jail, an Iraqi citizen in a Turkish prison. And so after his, after his family raised the money to get his release, they paid off some people there. He got out, but the authorities told Danny, you can never come back to Turkey again. And so he went to Athens, and while he's in Athens, guess what he did while he was in Athens? He began to share the gospel. And in time, he began to meet some of our partners that are there in the city of Athens, and he began to disciple people and leading people to Christ. And now he pastors a church called Living Hope Church that's a church filled with refugees. 
And every day of his life, because where he lives in Athens is a very strong uh, Muslim refugee area, and he is threatened almost daily. And he's one of the boldest men I've ever met. And I came to him and I said, Danny, are you not afraid of sharing your faith, even amongst these people that hate you and are threatening your life? And Danny says, no, I'm just following Jesus. Danny said, we have a saying in Iraq, we have a saying in my country, and it's, it's roughly translated this way, when you're already wet, why be afraid of the rain? He says, I have given my life to follow God wherever he leads, and I'm not afraid. Corey Tim Boone put it best when she says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Faith calls us to leave the known for the unknown. Faith calls us to trust in the unseen promises of God. Verse 9 says that Abraham went to live in the land of promise. The call of God was to trust in the promises of God without any guarantee of seeing these promises come to pass soon. Abraham would live another 20, 30 years before he would see his son Isaac born. He waited and he trusted, even at times when he thought it was too good to be true. And even at times he felt like that God was just sending a check in the mail, he continued to trust God. Why? Verse number 10 tells us, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder was God. He wasn't looking for a city. He was looking for the city, a city beyond the city, a city beyond the land. Abraham understood that what he was promised was out of this world. And so he didn't look with what, he didn't look to what, uh oh, sorry. He didn't look to what was seen. He looked to what was unseen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. As we look, Paul says, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Abraham didn't look to what he saw. He looked beyond what he saw. The call of faith changes how you see things. The call of faith changes your priorities. The call of faith changes your perspective. It gives you new foundations. Abraham looked to something far greater in his life to base his life on. Abraham looked at something far greater than his money, than his fame, than his power to give him meaning and identity and value. He didn't look to just what he saw now and then. He didn't get his value and identity and worth in that. He didn't get it in what he did or where he lived. He had a stronger and deeper foundation that held up his life. See, if you change your foundations, your life will change. Jesus told a parable of two guys who built houses. One guy, a wise guy, a wise man, built his house on the rock. Another guy, a foolish guy, built his house on the sand. When the winds and waves blew, the man who built his house on the rock's house withstood. The man who built his house on the sand lost it all. And the question in your life and in my life is this, when the winds and waves of life come, and they will, will your house stand or fall? Well, if your house is built on anything than Jesus' blood and righteousness, your house will fall apart. Your life will fall apart. If you build your identity and value in your job, in your location, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your money, in your sports team, in your health, or in your fitness, when the waves come, when the wind blows, it will fall apart. 
That's why my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest thing, but wholly rest on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. God here then promises to Abraham and Sarah that they would have children in their old age. I mean, the Bible says that Abraham was as good as dead. He was old. Sarah was old. She was in her 90s, late 80s, 90s, when she had a child. Abraham was 100. God's promise in their life was almost inconceivable. Think about that. Inconceivable. That was a dad joke that didn't work. <laughs> you get it now? I think somebody in the balcony just got it. It just finally just, it just dawned on them. Oh, conceivable. Ha, ha, ha. 9.30, got it. How come 11 can't? You've had more sleep than they had. But they believed, even though it was inconceivable, <laughs> because they considered God faithful who had promised. And so in Genesis chapter 15, God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, you go out and you survey the land. You go up, you go down. All that is yours. And guess what, Abraham? You look to the sea and you, or you look to the seashore and you see all that sand and you look to the sky and you see the stars, as many as the sand on the seashore and as much as the, many as the stars in the sky, so shall your descendants be. But just as Abraham saw that the land was more than the land, that God's promise about the land was more than physical land on earth, he also is going to understand that God's promise about children is more than just a physical child on earth. It's more than just Isaac. It's more than physical children. But he understood that there was one greater than Isaac that would come. And there will be many who will come from the greater one and only could be seen by faith. Paul talks about this, about this to the churches of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to his offsprings, referring to the many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. See, the promise to Abraham was more than land and kids. It was about heaven and hell. It was not something that Abraham could do. It was only something he could trust God to do. He had to look to God alone to do what he promised so that Abraham could be all that God promised him to be in the person of Jesus Christ. And here's what you have to understand. Abraham saw Jesus. You say, no, he didn't. Yeah, he saw Jesus. I don't believe you. Well, Jesus said he saw him. John chapter 8, verse 56. John, Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he saw it and was glad. How did Abraham see it? By faith. He had the eyes of faith. The eyes of his heart were enlightened by the precious promises of God. He saw that his deliverer and Messiah was coming and he was looking to Jesus by faith. See, in the Old Testament, saints were saved looking to Jesus. In the New Testament and today, we're saved looking back to Jesus. But we're all saved the same way, and that's by faith. 
And so verses 13 through 16 tells us that all these died not having received the promise, not having received the things that were promised. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and even Joseph all died without seeing everything that God promised them. Yet it was these unseen promises that fueled their radical obedience. They realized that they would never in this life see the complete fulfillment of all that God promised, but it didn't stop them. So in verse 13, B, it says, but having seen them, seen what? These promises. How do they see them? Through the eyes of faith. They greeted them from afar. They didn't see, but they saw. We shared this a few weeks ago, that faith is the assurance of what God is going to do based on the conviction of what God has already done. These patriarchs didn't see, but they still believed. Because they understood something, that there was something better coming. They lived as strangers and foreigners looking for a better country. If they were just living for the nasty now and now, they would have went back to the Ur of the Chaldees. They would have went somewhere. But they were wondering because they were looking for the city. And they realized that this world was not their home. And so they set their minds not on things below, but they set their minds on things above. And that's why verse 16, God says, I am not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. These patriarchs didn't stop believing. They didn't turn back. And that's the point of this part. The author of Hebrews is saying, don't turn back. Don't give up. Keep looking to Jesus. Even when things are tough, even when things are rough, even when you don't understand, you don't turn back. Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting. Trust in the things you cannot see. And that's what they did. And just like the patriarchs, we are called to trust in the unseen promises of God. Many, countless millions of believers have died without seeing Christ return. Many have died not realizing all the promises of God, but by faith they see them. We need God to give us the eyes of faith to see what we do not see and trust what we cannot see. Faith calls us to leave the known for the unknown. Faith calls us to trust in the unseen promises. Third, faith calls us to obey God even if we don't understand. Verse 17 tells us that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. God gave a final test to Abraham's faith. And that it was for Abraham to take his son, his only son Isaac, and to sacrifice him to God. And this final test would be the ultimate triumph of Abraham's faith. See, to obey God into an unknown country is one thing, but to obey God enough to be willing to sacrifice your own son is radical obedience. Beyond just the fact that Isaac was Abraham's son, Isaac was the immediate fulfillment of the cosmic promises that God made to Abraham and Sarah that he would bless the world. Isaac was that one child that they had been praying for, longing for, waiting for, hoping for. He is the one that they left everything for. This son represented everything, and, and, and to Abraham, Isaac was, was really that one true love of Abraham's heart. He was the one thing that he treasured the most in his life. Tim Keller says that Isaac was Abraham's emotional center. It was the source of his security and significance in life. But yet, he obeyed, verse 19. He obeyed, verse 18, sorry. He obeyed. 
even though he didn't understand because of faith. Abraham reached back, knife in hand, ready to slit the throat of his son Isaac. Abraham in this moment is showing to God that there's nothing that I will not trust you with. There's nowhere I will not go with you. I will give you everything. And here's the thing. Abraham had not read Genesis 22. Yet he believed that somehow, some way, God was going to be a God of justice and a God of grace. And so in Genesis chapter 22, verse 11, as Abraham has knife in hand, the angel of the Lord calls out and says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here am I. God stopped him. Don't put your hand on the boy. God then points him to a ram that is stuck in the thickets. God says, that's, who you should, that's what you should sacrifice. And Abraham took the ram and sacrificed that ram instead of Isaac. And in that moment, God provided a way. He provided a substitute. Instead of making Abraham pay his debt, God paid the debt for him. And so Abraham calls that mountain Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide or, or literally the God will see to it. And God did see to it. But not just in that ram. See, the reason why Isaac was not sacrificed is because God provided a substitute for Isaac in the ram. But here's what you have to understand. That ram was not enough to pay the, the, the debt of sin. Hebrews 10, 4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Isaac himself was not enough to pay the sin of Abraham. wasn't enough to pay for his own sin or the sins of the family. The true substitute for Isaac is not the ram. The true substitute for Isaac is Jesus, the Lamb of God, the offspring of Abraham, the beloved son, the hope of the world. And that's why Abraham didn't name that place Abraham's obedience. He named that place God will see to it because the same God who did that there is the same God who'll do that here. And see, what is the most impressive in this story is not Abraham's obedience. What's most impressive in this story is God the Father's commitment. See, Jesus would come from Isaac, but Isaac typifies Jesus. Think about this. Both had a promised birth. Both were born of miracles. Both were led up to a mountain to be sacrificed by their father. Both had a three-day journey. Both had two men alongside of them. Both carried their, their, wood, their, their own wood on their backs, on their shoulders. Both willingly submitted themselves to the will of their father. Both were bound. Both cried out to their fathers. But here's the difference. Isaac wasn't sacrificed. Jesus was. Isaac, when he cried out to his father, his father answered him, saying, God will provide a lamb. But when the ultimate lamb that was provided by God cried out to his father, my God, my God, no voice came from heaven. Why? Because God loves us. One of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God loves you enough to give you his greatest, then will you not trust him enough to take care of you? And will you not obey him even if he calls you to do something you don't understand? If he could do the greatest, won't you take care of the least? Will you not trust him to take care of you even when things don't make sense? Even when things seem weird? Even when things don't line up to how you had planned your life? Do you not obey him even when you don't understand him? 
Well, how can you do that? Because you look to Jesus. See, radical obedience comes out of radical faith, which comes out of an assurance of what God will do based on the conviction of what God has already done. I know that God will make a way when there isn't a way because back 2,000 years ago, God made a way that was impossible for me to go to heaven. And because God has done that for me, I can do whatever he calls for me to do for him. Let me share with you a story about Adoram Judson. Adoram Judson was a missionary Felt the call to go to South Asia, to India, to Burma, to preach the gospel. He was a young man, and before he left to go on the mission field, he fell in, young, uh, in love with a, with a young lady named Ann Hasselton, and he wanted to marry Ann, knowing that if he married Ann, it would mean a bunch of hardships for her. He wrote Ann's father a letter. And in this letter, he asks for her hand in marriage with the realities of going on the mission field in mind. And so let me read that letter to you. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of one in distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, perhaps a violent death. Could you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you? For the sake of the perishing immortal souls? For the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all of this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from the heathen saved through her means from eternal woe and despair? What a way to ask for a woman's hand in marriage. You say, sir... Do you consent to let her come with me and die for Jesus? And guess what happened? He said yes. And she said yes. And guess what happened to Anne? She died for the sake of Jesus. But not because of Anne's greatness. Not because of Abraham's greatness. But because of Jesus' greatness. See, Christianity is not how much you do for God, but it's about what God has done for you. And our response to what God has done for us is to want to obey Him even though we don't understand. To put our yes on the table and to say, Lord, wherever you lead, I will follow. Whatever you say, I will do. Wherever you want, I will give. Not for my glory, but for yours. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, all through the list had radical obedience because of radical faith because of an awesome God who loved them enough to save them from hell. What about you? Is your yes on the table? If God called you to go, would you go to a place you've never been before? Would you trust him with things that you may never see? 
with the promises of God that you may never realize in this life? And will you obey him even though you do not understand him? My prayer is, is that I would. My prayer is that you would and that this church would. But you'll never do that unless you have a personal relationship with him. And so today, if you've never trusted him as your savior, I pray that you would. And you'll see what God does in your life. And if you have trusted him, then ask him for grace to trust him more. Father, in Jesus' name, what I couldn't say, what I couldn't do, Lord, would your Holy Spirit do? Father, would you move in and through us? Would our yes be on the table? Wherever you lead, Father, would we go? Father, would you help us to trust you even when we don't understand you, to obey you even though when it doesn't make sense? Lord, we love you. And I pray if there's anyone here online or in this room that has never trusted you as Savior, that today, Father, they would trust you. They would give you their life. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.com.